All right. Welcome to the Michael Slate Show. This is the Michael Slate Show, and I'm Michael Slate, just in case you forget, okay? And I like to start by saying that here on the Michael Slate Show, we refuse to let the U.S. Supreme Court take away abortion rights in the way that they're trying to do. You know, and think about this. Think about what, what, difference it, what, what, what a difference it makes to be able to have something, to have a, 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 something that will stand up against what the fascists are doing with, uh, in, 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 in relation to this, all right? You know, you think about this, we refuse to let the, the U.S. Supreme Court take away abortion rights, and think of what the difference that makes. There's actually real people, real people, that this is going to just be a terrible, terrible thing for people. Now, that's what the show is going to be doing today, all right? That's what the show is going to be talking about a lot of. At the back end of today's show, we'll hear uh, Joe Veal from the Revolutionary Communist Party talking about the L.A. rebellion on the 30th anniversary of the largest urban rebellion in U.S. history. So don't miss that. And opening the show up, uh, we'll be speaking with Skylar Solomon, an organizer with uh, Rise Up for Abortion Rights in Los Angeles, and Juliana, arts organizer for uh, Rise Up for Abortion Rights in Los Angeles. Now, let's talk about the atrocity that's being planned by the U.S. Supreme Court. Think about that. <laughs> You know, just think about saying that, saying that words. What, what's actually concentrated in that? Now let's talk about the atrocity being planned by the U.S. Supreme Court. Skylar, welcome back. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. It's yeah. a pleasure to be back. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's good to hear your voice. Okay, there you go. And Juliana, welcome to the Michael Slate Show. Hi, Michael. Thank you. Sure, sure. All right, well, let's jump into this. And I want to, I wanna, you know, we can go as as long as we we need to, because people need to need to actually understand what is going on and what role their stuff that they should be playing. So before we get into other questions, I know a lot of people, a lot of our listeners anyway, are, pro- are probably wondering what the next action is. You know, so can you tell us what's planned for the next week and beyond, and how can people uh, hook up with the uh, the protesters with this whole movement? How can people hook up with this? So I don't know. Who wants to speak first? But I think it would probably. How about we go with? I don't know you guys pick it out. Is <laughs> Skyler? Would it be you? I think yeah, so. Yeah, I can. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, yeah, thank you, Michael. So, uh, you know, I just want to underscore before you're moving on to the plans that this draft with, that was leaked is just that. It is only a draft, and it is not yet law. And the people have the power to stop it from becoming law but only if we act swiftly in bold, creative, nonviolent uh, mass protests. And so in part of building for this, this resistance, uh, Rise Up for Abortion Rights has been hosting a series of rallies and demonstrations over the past few months, and we are going to continue to do so over the next few weeks. We will be making banners and posters. We will be forging a community, making friends, having fun, all in preparation for our nationwide week of action, which will be taking place May 8th through the 14th. This is a nationwide call for people everywhere to get creative and spread the word about this abortion rights emergency, and most importantly, call people out into the streets. So if anyone wants to learn more about what we're going to be doing uh, or you know, the more details about the protest, wants to get in contact with us, you can follow us on social media. That would be the handle of Rise, number four, Abortion Rights, L-A, 
We have a volunteer sign-up form in the link in our bio that you can sign up to volunteer for any of the days of the week of action. Or if you wanted to get in contact with us directly, you could email la at riseupforabortionrights.org. Okay. Um, we're going to have you repeat those again as we get I get close to the show ending, but I really want to, I want people to understand that this is extremely important that if you haven't heard it, if you haven't caught them, you got to get up there and find it out. And this is really, really important. Uh, you know, you, we cannot, we cannot live in the, the hole that they put us in. And I'm talking about all of humanity being put in a hole and a hole that actually could, could end up, you know, in a way that is just the most horrifying thing. And then particularly if we can sit back and talk about what they've done with women as something that's actually, oh, it's okay, it's okay, don't worry about it. It's just one of those things. At the beginning of the week, some hero leaked the draft decision from the U.S. Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. You know, and for a lot of people, I think people didn't realize, a lot, some people didn't, didn't actually even understand that, didn't know what, it was, what was going on about that. But it was uh, basically, yes, they caught, and, uh, you know, the, the, it was like, some, like, as I said, some hero leaked a draft decision from the U.S. Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. Rise Up called, now Rise Up called this an atrocity. What would it actually mean to take away, and this is important for people to think about this, what would it mean, what would it actually mean to uh, take away the right of abortion? Women would die, okay? Let's be, let's be clear about that. If you take away the right of, of abortion, women are going to die. But what would it mean, and more importantly, why is this fight not over? So why don't we talk about that? Skylar, I guess you would you'd be the first one to talk on that? Oh, uh, well, sure. Michael, if it's all right with you, I'd like to take this one. Okay, good. That, that's fine. Michael, everything that you said is absolutely true. The ban on, a nationwide ban on abortion would result in unsafe abortions being practiced. It's not going to stop abortions at all. Um, and like you said, that is going to uh, kill women. Um, you know, we it, we have a history of back alley abortions. You know, women facing it, it, disastrous healthcare crises afterwards. This is, you know, lives are on the line, and predominantly poor working class minority women are at risk here. The issue here is not just the release of safe abortions, right? It's education issues as well are interconnected. We're looking at just healthcare in general, privacy issues. This, an overturned Roe v. Wade, if you read the draft, sets, sets the tone for moving forward, the revoking of same-sex marriage. It also puts at risk interracial marriage. It's quite terrifying, not just in the sense of women dying, but future rights being at risk. You know, well, this is the kind of thing that you're looking at, and I think a lot of times people don't pay the proper attention to what the hell is going on here. You know, and this is this is something that Juliana has been talking about, Skylar's, you know, talking about. There's all these things. What we're talking about here here is actually this has to do with the actual. <laughs> you know, and it's hard to believe that we're still. You know, and it's not hard to believe because of the system that we live in. But it's actually it should be enraging that we are still having to talk to and act in relation to the, re the, 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 uh, the fact that women have just as much right 
to do what they have to do, to do what they need to do, to know what they want to do, to live, okay? This is, the, this is what this is. is are, are women going to be living as full human beings or are they going to be living as you know, servants and slaves to other, other supposed, okay, yes, the guys who are the big, big guys that are working and some small guys as well. And I'd like to talk this a little bit, and I'm, I got a little bit lost on who I was talking to recently. So was it Juliana? Uh, yes, that was me, Michael. Okay, good. So uh, I don't know. It's, I, well, why don't we continue with you for just a minute? And uh, I, can you tell us how you got involved? Because, you know, a lot of people, when they, when they walk past things, they see things, they hear things, and it's like either they, they want to do it, but they don't get around to it, or they don't know how to, or the need to, you know, th- there's a tremendous need to have a, not just a group of some people standing up and doing what's needed, but a, but a group of many, many people, millions of people when you get down to it. And I'd like, like you to talk to us a little bit about how you got involved and why you're doing this. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, great question. So um, I uh, first became acquainted with Rise Up for Abortion Rights LA at their International Women's Day March on March 8th. I had attended a few of their protests moving forward because they had had been watching this issue. Um, You know, a lot of abortion rights organizations have been hypocritically preparing for a post-Roe v. Wade um, world, when in reality, we do have the power to stop it. Rise Up for Abortion Rights is calling for a mass civil disruption. We've seen it work before in other countries like Argentina, Colombia, and Mexico. Just in the last few years, they fought for their right to decriminalize abortion in uh, extremely conservative countries, and they were successful. Uh, It's something that we don't talk about in the history of Roe v. Wade is that It was a conservative majority court when uh, it originally got passed. And the reason that it got passed was because women were taking to the streets and raising all hell and signs everywhere, letting them know that, you know, this is our right as human beings. Abortion rights is health care and health care is a human right. Absolutely. So it just goes to show that, like, we do have we are facing a bit of an uphill battle here, but but. The Supreme Court is not immune to public opinion. They are not immune to our voices. And in mass, we have more power than they want us to believe. So now one of the slogans is only the people can stop this situation that we face today. And this is important. I mean, people, too many times people just pass it up. It's like, oh, it's one of these things. It's one of the, those woman things. It's one of the ways that just actually, they're just complaining or they're doing, what do they want? You know, and, and people, some people might think that, oh, well, nobody talks about that anymore like that. Yeah, we'll take a trip around the rest of the country and see what people are talking about, you know, and see what happens. And then think about what needs, what needs to be done. And now on one of your slogans, it's one of your slogans is only the people can stop this. And you're calling for um, and, re- and organizing for a wave of massive protests. No more one, one and done, but, but nonstop protests, as well as many forms of creative nonviolence and for wearing green, and, uh, which I'm sitting here now wearing the greenest thing I've ever read in my life, <laughs> I've ever worn in my life, okay? And uh, basically, yeah, and I, I wear a lot of strange things, but it's not, <laughs> anyway, but I like, I thought this is necessary and, and not because it's like something cool, but it actually 
but it is really needed. It's a necessary statement, and I think many, many more people have to recognize that. And you know, look, you know, we're talking, we're talking about no more one and done, but nonstop protests. All right, help us understand that because a lot of people may not even understand what's the, what's the, what's the what is that, and, and you know, what does it mean, no more one and done? And then we can talk about the forms of creative nonviolence that have been coming up. So let's talk about that a little bit. I don't know who would want to talk there first. Juliana, would that be you? Uh, sure, I can, I can speak a little bit on that. Um, okay. So we, uh, the Spain's mass protest is a key part of this movement. It's important that felt and heard because right now we do have, right now the loudest voices are appearing to be the minority of the population and that's just not true. You know, at least, at least 60% of Americans are against an overturned Roe v. Wade. And honestly, that's the minimized uh, estimate there. You know, civil disruption is, uh, sounds like such a scary, scary uh, <laughs> phrase, but it really just looks like interrupting day-to-day life. You know, putting pressure on institutions uh, like the Supreme Court, the institutions that would benefit from uh, overturned Roe v. Wade, putting pressure on them, letting them know that they have to stand up for us as well. Skylar, was there something else that you wanted to say on that? Yeah, I, um, you know, I wanted to touch on something that you said, Michael. Um, you know, some of the naysayers, and there, there have been, you know, some naysayers uh, out in the world have, have been, you know, speaking with people. But this is not just a women's issue. This is not just a women's issue. This is a human rights issue. The UN has has noted that forced pregnancy and forced birth is a form of torture. That's the real stakes here. That's the reality of what happens when the government hijacks people's bodies and then forces them to give birth against their will. It causes tremendous mental, physical and social harm, that is violence against our people. And so all people of conscience, no matter what your genitalia looks like, no matter what you identify as, if you refuse to accept a world that is hurtling backwards, then it is your duty to act now. Because the fate of millions, the fate of our democracy, lies on this moment. And the point you know, of mass sustained protests, you know, for people who may be thinking like, ah, you know, they're not going to listen to public opinion. You know, they've already made their decision. I'm safe here in California. So what does it matter? I would like to challenge that for a moment because pretty much every major right that has been won in this country has been won through mass protests. That's how our country began was as one mass rebellion and resistance, force of resistance uh, against religious tyranny and theocracy, which is what we're fighting against again now. And so, you know, we, we've seen the power of mass sustained protests throughout our history, and we saw it two years ago, too, in what we've, we call it the beautiful uprising through, you know, the resistance against police brutality when they murdered George Floyd. We saw people get out into the streets not just one day, but every day for months. And they drove so much change in that moment. And even we've seen little tastes of how this can affect affect abortion rights recently too, because I spoke about this last time I was on your show. Uh, Idaho, when they were 
uh, passing their ban, they had originally written in that they would not allow for an abortion in the case of an ectopic pregnancy. And for those who don't know, an ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy that is non-viable, meaning that it cannot result in a, in a birth of, of, a, of, a, of a baby. It's non-viable, and it, it takes place anywhere outside of the uterus, most commonly in the fallopian tube. And if it is not treated or if it doesn't miscarry on its own, it will kill you. And in, in criminalizing uh, access to critical health care and abortion in that circumstance, Idaho effectively said that you can either serve 10 years in prison or you could die. And there was such a massive outpouring of fury and anger and refusal to accept that kind of violence against our people that they took that piece out. So we're already seeing that politicians and, you know, and, and hopefully the Supreme Court they are listening to us. They do care about our rage and our reaction. We just cannot let this fizzle out. We need to keep going, keep holding, and keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, extremely important. You're listening to The Michael Slate Show, and we are talking to two of the people who have been actively involved in basically the, 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 one of the most important things, I think, that we've been, that we've been speaking to in this, in this station uh, you know, in a very long time, and it's Skylar Solomon, an organizer with Rise Up for Abortion Rights in Los Angeles, and Juliana, um, who is the arts organizer for Rise Up for Abortion Rights in Los Angeles. Now, one of the things, and I think this is for Skylar, I think, um, would that be right, that it would be Skylar I'd be talking to? Uh, it depends on the question. Aha! Okay. You folks make that. All right. You can you can tell me. Hey, okay, it's going to be this one. But one of the things that you have said, Skylar, and many, many people have, have said something similar to it, is that the silence, it's silence in the face of, the, of this, this whole situation is complicity. That there's, there is no neutral sideline on women's lives. And, and that's what's one thing I'd like to talk about. And there's a couple more along those lines that we can talk about all um, together. So maybe, Skylar, if you start it, and then we can move on as well and bring in Juliana as well. So let's, let's try and talk about that, that one piece for a beginning. Absolutely. Uh, you know, this has been dubbed by, by political analysts, legal analysts, as the most massive attack on civil rights in the modern era. Now is the time for all people of conscience to be speaking out. We cannot just quietly be pro-choice anymore and watch from the sidelines. Because that mentality, that just sit and wait approach that it'll never happen to us, or it's fine, you know, I support you, but I don't need to do anything, that has paved the way for this oppression. That has allowed the anti-choice minority to take hold, to organize themselves, to strategize, and, and rally together uh, as a, around abortion rights as their, their core issue and use it as a battering ram on a greater assault on freedom. And so this is our time now where we all must rally together to unify people who care about all things. So use abortion rights as our rallying point so that we can use it as a battering ram for freedom and justice and equality for all. And so, you know, it is, this is a moment where your silence is a stamp of approval for women haters, homophobics, xenophobics, all of those people who seek to oppress us. If you are not speaking out, then you are capitulating to that and accepting that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very important, actually. And 
I was, as, you're, as you're talking, I was thinking about this because there's a, there is this, this, this question of, um, you know, you have, we have a question here, and we're talking about the ways in which you are trying to reach all of these people who have, who have not yet taken a stand. What are those ways? Because I think people, sometimes a lot of people, you know, look at things and they think, well, you know, I think this, but my neighbors don't, and I try to talk to them and they don't like it, or in bigger, on bigger, in, on bigger levels, where people are actually seeing that, yes, there's a movement growing and it's important, but... But there's always this but that comes out, and I think it, we really need need to actually say to people that this is not the time for but to come up, okay? <laughs> and that people actually have to people have to actually talk about, you know, who's going to take this stand, you know, and why haven't people taken a stand yet, and to, to the extent that they haven't. But there needs to be a tremendous outpouring of people, basically, to take this stand. And I'd like to talk with you about that. Where where are things at now in terms of people taking a stand? Mm-hmm. Well, of course, over the past week, we have seen a massive outpouring of support nationwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, there have been people out in the streets every day growing in numbers. We really are showing that, you know, um, that 80% of the population wants to see Roe upheld. There's a quote that we often use uh, in, in our rallies, and it is, if, you, if not you, then who? And if not now then when? Because right now is not too late to stop a great atrocity from happening. But if we keep waiting and if we keep making excuses, then it may be, and we will then have to scramble to try and and win it back, which is so much more difficult. And we have the upper hand here. This leak has given us a profound opportunity to resist. People love to make excuses for why they feel that they don't, they are not needed. And, you know, one of the the biggest arguments that's been circulated throughout both the media and and also throughout many pro-choice organizations is post-Roe won't be that bad because we have access to the birth control or the, I'm sorry, the abortion pill by mail. So we'll have effectively an underground railroad of, of an abortion network. And the issue with that is, is it is not taking into account the millions of people where that is not accessible. Access to this mail-in abortion pill is a privilege. You have to have an address to send it to. You have to have internet. You have to have uh, the ability to access it because many of these states are already trying to to end the distribution of the abortion pill, and many abortion pill uh, distributors won't send to these states that are banned. And it's also allowing for this demonization of abortion, and it will restrict access in a much grander scale, and it will end in women dying or, you know, people, women and people who can get pregnant get it taking uh, desperate actions and taking matters into their own hands to try and induce their own abortions in, in unsafe ways and, and severely hurting themselves or, or killing themselves as a result. And so... You know, I've I've spoken with many people about this throughout the months. And, you know, if you can't get out into the street, there are other ways that you can take action. You can donate. You can share on social media. You can put make your own video about why you think this is important, why people should take action and share your local protests. You know, you can you can help organizations, uh, you know, rise up for abortion rights 
in getting materials, you know, going and picking things up and dropping them off to our volunteers, um, you know, helping make art installations, whatever your place in this is, we all have our own unique skill sets and passions, and and we can leverage that to drive change. It just takes you know us being honest about our our uh, you know, availability and our skill sets and our comfort levels, and then and then steering steering into that skid and, and owning it and utilizing it for for the greater good. I really want want people to recognize. The importance of what you folks are doing, you know, and and it's not, and it's and it should be everyone out there, to the extent that they can do it. People should be out there doing this. They should be out there and saying, "No, we're not going, we're not going to allow this to continue. This terrible, terrible, just this horrendous situation that people have been faced and women have been faced with for forever." You know, you think about that. It's just an incredibly, just bestial approach to humanity and I think it's really important what you're saying and I want to have you back on the show sometime soon because this is actually something that we really we really need to keep an, an eye on and, and to, to, to basically be able to tell people why is it important not just what is happening it's important to know what's happening but it's also why people have to be step up out of their out of their wherever they've been you know keeping themselves safe or looking at other things we need to recognize that there is a real need for people to stand up and do things, and there is, and I think that's one of the things that actually really got me in terms of this the the, the the coat hanger as a symbol, an international symbol of pro-choice, and I think this is be the last thing I'd be able to talk with you about. But I would really like to hear. But this is what people need to know now, and why it's so damn important that they get out there and stand with that. Uh, uh, you, Michael. Oh, go ahead, Scott. Oh, <laughs> uh, Juliana, you want to start, and I can I can finish this off. Yeah, I just want I just real quick, I wanted to give like a quick shout out to anybody who, you know, if you're on the fence about coming out, please, please, please consider coming out to one of our protests. Getting out there and seeing the people who who are just as angry as you are is is one of the biggest hope builders for me. You know, I there is no place for de- defeatism here when when our rights are on the line. Okay. Well said, uh, and something else I forgot to mention is we are also going to be having, uh, be taking part in nationwide mass protests on May 14th as well. The Los Angeles chapter of Rise Up for Abortion Rights will be meeting at 9 a.m. Uh, at the U.S. Courthouse in downtown L.A. And that is, the address is 350 West 1st Street. So we'll be meeting there at 9 a.m. on the 14th, and we will be rallying together and then unifying with the Women's March uh, at 10 a.m., marching with them, and then we will be breaking off at noon to have our own rally and march. So if people can't meet with us at 9, they can rejoin with us again at noon if that works better for them. And, and, you know, as Juliana said, this this is the time for action. We cannot settle into complacency or defeatism because we have the power. And if the folks in, in politics and the Supreme Court didn't see that, they wouldn't be working so hard to try and stop us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, had, I was speaking with an, another organizer earlier this morning, and you know, the past week, it's been so nourishing as, a, as an organizer who's, you know, you put so much energy and love and, and, and passion into these, these marches because what we're doing here, we are not just resisting 
one of the greatest attacks on civil rights that we have seen in the modern era. But we are forging a community. We are seeing friendships being made. We are seeing something truly empowering happening here. And I've been seeing people, you know, one by one, find their own personal power in a time where we have been feeling so powerless for so long. So if you are sick of feeling powerless, if you are sick of feeling like there is nothing that you can do and like it is hopeless, I would like to let you know that that is not true. And if you join us, you will feel that power. You will feel that unity. You will see the collective power that we have in driving change when we unify all people from all backgrounds and all organizations. When we unify together, we cannot be stopped. All right. On that note, we're going to have to wrap this up. But I really, really, really do stand with you full, full force. I mean, this is this is an incredibly important thing that's being done. It is an incredibly dangerous thing that's being push, pushed out. I think the, the reaction of people to stand up and fight against this, to demand that this is the you know not going to happen. It's not going to happen without a hell of a fight. And that hell of a fight should be taken up by everybody. All right. So, Juliana, Skyler, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Michael. And let me ask you both. Okay, let me now see. I'm going to hit. I'm going to hit you with another thing, though. Stand by with us whenever. When um, maybe we can talk as you're going along. We can do something every week. A little, a little short set about what's happening. If that, if that works with you. All right. Thank you so much, Michael. You really have been. Um, you know, spearheading the, you know, sounding the alarm about the abortion rights emergency and calling people to action in, in Los Angeles. And your contribution to this cause has been very important. Well, let's keep, let's, let's keep it up so we can celebrate together sometime soon. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. We'll be celebrating soon. Okay. So take care now and we'll talk to you again soon. We're going to take a quick musical break and be right back. So stay tuned. That was Green Day with Troubled Times. April 29th was the 30th anniversary of the Los Angeles Rebellion, which followed the acquittal of the cops who beat Rodney King. So now we're going to play an interview with Joe Veal of the Revolutionary Communist Party on the RNL or Revolution Nothing Less show. I want to slip in a word about the RNL show. This past week, they released their 100th episode. The show can be found on the YouTube channel, The Revcoms. A new show drops every Thursday. There is nothing like this show. I watch it every week, so check it out. Now here's Jovial speaking with Andy Z. We have with us at the RNL studio, Jovial, who is a revolutionary. In the 1960s, he was part of the Black Panther Party and into the 1970s when he became a revolutionary communist and follower of Baba Vakin. So... Join me in welcoming Joe Veal to the RNL studio. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. All right. Well, Joe's been on the show before, and uh, uh, and he has a lot of insight into this because Joe, 
the day the rebellion kicks off, you and some of your comrades jump in a car in Oakland and then drive down to Los Angeles. So tell us, uh, you know, what was this, what was the significance of going down here? This, uh, uh, and what was a rebellion that was beginning to be attacked like crazy on the media and has continued to be maligned by those forces in power, as well as all sorts of reformists. But you guys came down here and got into, what was it like? What was the mood of the people? It was great, you know, and, you know, it was irresistible. We couldn't, you know, resist jumping in the car and coming, you know, right down immediately and stuff and, uh, you know, and and jumping in and taking part, you know, and, you know, with the masses like standing up and rebellion. It was a really a he heroic uprising after what had happened to Rodney King, the brutal beating and them like letting those pigs like walk in that like way, you know, uh, so, uh, so we, you know, we came and we immediately, we was, we, we, it was a powerful attraction like for us. That we, and so we just jumped in the car and came down and, uh, but we brought revolution, you know, that's what we was bringing, the need for like revolution, you know, to get rid of this system that created those conditions that led to that brutal beating of Rodney King, led to the brutal treatment of black people historically under this system, other oppressed people. So we came to, you know, to take part in that and to bring the, the revolutionary solution, the revolutionary leadership and stuff like to that and everything. And, you know, and it was it, it was it was great. It was great. And it was very powerful because the social order that led to the to what happened to Rodney King had broken down mm -hmm. completely. The masses were in the streets and stuff. And that's what we jumped into, like with them. Like I, and like I just like said, to bring like revolution that revolutionary solution and stuff like to that. First off, that was the second rebellion in Los Angeles, 27 years before there'd been a rebellion in Watts, and the same conditions have were there and had intensified and created that rebellion. Here we are 30 years later, and some of this same situation presents today. So this is the, the, the whole point that this is built into the system, and then when people rose up, I, we got a sense from the video, a sense from what you're talking about, that ferocious joy. But Bob Avakian was talking about the truce that came, that the unity that was built and how precious that was, and then the truces that came up. And then you, you were telling me before that the, the Revcoms went right into the midst of that. And, and yeah, it was controversial. There's some stories you had about the housing projects and whatnot. I think it'd be important to tell people some of this. Yeah, and, uh, and we went to all the truce meetings, all the picnics, all the conferences, you know, you know, to bring, you know, the message of revolution, the need like for that and the leadership for that. Some of it was very welcomed by like, you know, by people. People, we didn't, when we first got here, we had no place to stay and everything. And, and, and we told, you know, we went, we just went to the masses and told them what we were about and, and everything. And some places people embraced that, embraced us and put us up, gave us place to stay and everything. I, I just remember one of the projects in Watts, you know, and, you know, being out late at night one night and them coming, you know, people walking down, these young women walking down the streets with uh, 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 a woman comrade of mine and saying that, yeah, yeah, over there in the PJs, talking about another project in Watts, you know, they got the NAACP staying with them, but over here we got the communists staying with us. And they were very proud of that and everything, you know, and, but at the same time, you know, some people, they did not welcome us and stuff. And, you know, I remember, you know, being like approached and stuff and people saying, you know, get the f 
out of here with that revolution. We don't like like need that. And, and, and they were on a whole other like tip in, in terms of, you know, you know, that gangster like life and stuff. But trying to, you know, maybe get some legitimate backing for what they were trying to pursue and stuff uh, at that time. And I mean, them stepping to us and said, you know, not only what, what I just like said, but then they would, you know, and they would be, you know, are you ready to die for this revolution? And they would be strapped. And our response was, yes, we are, because we represent the masses of people. What's in the interest of the masses of people, not only here, but all over the world? And that you should be, that's what the revolution is about. And you should be about that too, and stuff, instead of this other that you like talking about, like right here, and stuff. And I think that our response, like to that, it threw them off. They was expecting some other kind of response. But we was like, you know, we was real. We, the revolution is real. I mean, we were serious, and we were real. The rebellion was real and was righteous, and what we was bringing to the rebellion was real and was righteous, and people needed to relate to it, and we wasn't going to back down in the face of anything in terms of being able to bring this out to the masses. Well, you know, I think now here we are 30 years later, people still being gunned down by the police, people still be, and, and in fact, since the rebellion, mass incarceration, the situation for the masses of people is worse, if anything, including the fact that people have lost some hope. But we also had to go through some summation about all of this and what it's going to actually take and how do we actually relate to this. You know, there was, and I think you, you brought out and we saw in the videos that saying that was popular at that time, you know, when... Now, a rebellion's not a revolution, but there was the, the saying that when revolution has its day, people see another way, and you had that unity. But then that unity falls apart because of the workings of the system. That's what Bob Vakin was bringing out. But I'd like to talk a little bit about, you know, what has been summed up, especially by Bob Vakin in the new communism, the new synthesis of communism, about how we actually have to go at this, the development and strategy to understand that we need to fight the power and transform the people for revolution. And I think we should talk a little bit about this because now we're in a situation that's unique, which is that now there's, as he's analyzed and we brought forth in this show, there is the possibility in the current situation that a revolutionary situation where it would actually be possible to make a revolution exists. But we need those people he spoke about who are uh, that force of people who are revolutionaries, who don't see it as I'm going to get into this for mine or for me, but I'm going to get into this for the revolution. So what kind of, what have we learned about that struggle that, that, that has been deepened over the last uh, decade since? Well, what we really learned, like from, from Baba Bacon, and especially is that we, you know, we really have to go much harder and much deeper with that kind of struggle that you are identifying with these masses of people, you know, much more harder and deeper around, you know, uh, people have to change their outlook, the way that they're, you know, uh, you know, even approaching when they're thinking about like revolution. It's not for like, you know, revolution is not about serving myself or serving my homies or serving my community. It's about like freeing the people, freeing humanity, freeing the masses of people and freeing like all humanity. It's not about like, you know, trying to get yours or get mine or whatever, like under this system. That's a whole different, you know, revolution is a whole different way of uh, understanding and, and, and approaching and, 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 and dealing with, you know, reality how it, and, and how it really works. Because what we ran into, just to be a little bit more specific, is that, you know, uh, you know, like some people, you know, really like thought 
You know, some people still think that way now that, you know, that they were going to be able to get some kind of government funding and be able to, you know, to back them in some kind of program, whether that's a personal for their own personal or for their little clique or for their neighborhood or whatever and stuff like that. And that they were going to be able to, you know, set up some kind of little capitalist enterprise that was going to be able to make and generate like money. And but they was going to be doing them and be good and kind and treat people good. That in some kind of way they don't have to act. And they don't, they would be unable, they would be able to act outside of the dictates of, of, of the capitalist dynamics of making like profit at the, you know, profit, 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 you know, at, at the expense of, uh, you know, the masses of people and stuff. And so like, you know, so that was some of the, 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 the struggle that we were like waging, like with people that, you know, around like for what and for whom is this revolution is about, you know? And what are we fighting like for, for, you know, for what and for whom, what kind of world, what kind of society? I think, you know, initially we did a lot about like fight, you know, fighting the power, fighting the system, even, you know, but, you know, and what we learned, you know, but we have to transform, people have to transform while they fight, transform, they think for a revolution and what, and the content of revolution is emancipating humanity, you know, and that's, you know, that's, a, it's not, you know, that's out, it, that's for a whole new world, a whole new society and a whole new world beyond the bounds and the dictates of this capitalist system, and uh, with all with all the divisions that are you know, that it keeps people like pitted against each other, keep us like fighting each other, different neighborhoods, different sets like fighting each other, competing for different jobs, competing to go to school, competing to get in this position over somebody, stepping over somebody else to be able to advance or whatever and stuff. All of that is in the dictates of this capitalist system and the revolution. And that's what has to like change. You, you, that's a trap, and that's what has got us like trapped. What has like the masses like uh, uh, of humanity like trapped, thinking along those systems' way of thinking and stuff. And what we really like need to get you know, or uh, 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 think in a whole different way that corresponds to a whole different way of organizing society and human beings who make up society and how they interact and relate to one another and build a society based upon on those kind of relations, which is possible today in the world. Well, I, I think those are really important points. And for those who have, for the first time, seen uh, this uh, learning about the 1992 Los Angeles Rebellion, and for those who've forgotten or it's receded in your memory or you've absorbed some of that summation that this was just a horror, when you see the masses of people rising up like that, that ferocious joy and that unity that's being built, everything that you've just been talking about, Joe, that you can see that that possibility is something that people desire. And since that rebellion, uh, through the leadership of Bobby Vakin, a strategy has been developed to actually make a revolution that could win. There's a film, why we need an actual revolution and how we could really make revolution. There's a pamphlet, how we could really win a revolution. There's, 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 a, there's a lot of work that's been done. So for anybody watching this show who, who looks at this rebellion and says, yeah, but what can we do about it? What you can do about it is get into BA, get into this revolution, find out about it, and then we got to get busy because there's a time now when we could actually make a revolution. So Joe, I want to thank you for being 
on the show on this 30th anniversary of the rebellion and and hope people come out on may 1st and then you're going to have you back on the show soon look forward to it okay that was joe veal on the la rebellion speaking with andy z on the rnl show now we're going to play some music this is public enemy with chuck d and it's a song that was really popular around the time of the la rebellion fight the power playback All right, we've got some time left, so I'm going to share two more pieces. First, we'll hear Bob Avakian, leader of the revolution and the author of The New Communism, speaking on what's behind the attacks on abortion rights. After that, we'll hear a speech by Sansara Taylor, one of the co-hosts of the RNL show, speaking at a Rise Up for Abortion Rights rally in New York on May 5th to a crowd that included many high school students who had walked out to join the protest. So first, Bob Avakian. Don't let these people tell you, these so-called right-to-lifers, that the issue is the killing of innocent babies. The issue is the control over women exercised by forcing them to be mothers, whether or not they want to be at that time. Now, to have children, to raise children, can be a really beautiful experience if that's what you want to do and if you feel in a position to do it in the way that you feel that it should be done. But to have it forced on you is virtual enslavement. Not to even have the choice as to whether you will do that. And here's the key to how you know, or one key to how you know this is not about killing of innocent babies. Try to find one of these rabid anti-abortion groups that is also not opposed to birth control. You'll have a very hard time. They're all opposed to birth control because the issue is not the killing of innocent babies. It's the control and subordination of women. Now let's hear Sansara Taylor. On Monday night, May 2nd, Politico broke the story that someone had leaked an early draft of a Supreme Court decision revealing that the majority of the Supreme Court five judges were on track to overturn Roe versus Wade to decimate women's fundamental right to abortion. This would be a tremendous crime against women, and it would be one of the most significant reversals of a fundamental right in the history of this country. What this would mean, the hell this would bring, and what must be done now to stop this draft from becoming the law of the land is the subject of tonight's special dispatch from the RNL. The revolution, nothing less shall. On Monday night, we all heard the news that the Supreme Court leaked a decision, a draft decision, 
saying that they are on track that a majority on the Supreme Court voted back in February, an early vote, that they were going to overturn Roe versus Wade, that they were going to decimate women's fundamental right to abortion. That's right. Down. This would be an atrocity. This would be an atrocity. Forcing women to have children against their will is barbaric. It is a, it is a form of enslavement. When women are forced to have children against their will, when they are denied the right to abortion, this shatters lives. This forecloses dreams. This drives women into poverty or deeper into poverty. This traps women in abuse. It forces young girls and women to drop out of school, to lose their jobs, to lose their future. And it is the state telling women that they are less than fully human. Will we accept this, sisters and brothers and beautiful people? Now, I want to stress, this is a draft decision. This is not yet law. And in RiseUpForAbortionRights.org, we've been having rallies. Some of the young people you heard from have been helping organize these rallies, walking out. We saw this coming, but most of this country did not know. And so they were silent and they were not with us in the streets. But since Monday night, this has been in the headlines. This has dominated. Everybody knows. So now is the time when everybody knows, and this is not yet the law, for us to rise up and stop this from becoming the law. Now is the time to stop the Supreme Court from decimating abortion rights. Now is the time. And I don't want to hear any more And you shouldn't accept it either. Where people say, including some of the people who are speaking out against this, who say, oh, we'll hold them accountable in November after this law after this right has been taken away. That's right, it is far easier, it is far easier to defend a right while you still have it than to win it back after it has been taken. And let's be real about these elections. They were never on the side of the people, and right now the GOP, the Republicans, is a fully fascist party. suppressing votes, they are gerrymandering, they have replaced election officials, and they have proven their willingness to use violence to overturn elections they lose. So let's not have illusions that we'll win this back if we let it be taken now. So I want to hear you answer me. I'm going to say, prepare for post-Roe, and I want you to say, no.
you have done today. We walk out of school. We walk off the job. We take over the freeways. We shut this country down. Not for one day of symbolic feel-good venting where then we go back to our regular lives and let this nightmare descend. No. We need to do this relentlessly, again and again. There should be no business as usual when that business is on track to enslave, to subjugate, to brutalize and control women. Hell no! This is why we wear this green bandana. This is the symbol of abortion rights, of fierce struggle in the streets. about how we do this. Next week, starting this weekend, rolling through the week, RiseUpForAbortionRights.org has called for a week of action, a week of resistance, a week of raising hell, where everybody, everybody has to show which side they're on. And you are either in the streets, you are either walking out, you are either shutting down, you are either rising up, or you are saying you are okay with female enslavement. There is no neutral. And it is the unbridled fury of millions and millions of women across this country that needs to be woken up and flood these streets. Millions and millions of women and girls rising up in fury against thousands and thousands of years of patriarchal chains and degradation. All the ways that women for generations and generations have been treated as less than and property of men and baby-making machines and told that your worth is in your virginity and told to be ashamed, to be ashamed of your body and your desires and your sexuality and differently gendered people. All of this fury that has been suppressed, that has been suffocated, needs to come out in the streets right the f now to stop this. We must not go back. 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 And I want to say, that you have the power. Young people have been in the forefront of every major movement for social change. Now is the time to put it all on the line. And in this fight, we need everybody, different backgrounds, different genders, different nationalities, different outlooks, different ages. And we need to unite all who can possibly be united. All of us together to drive Draw a line. You're either for stopping this Supreme Court from enslaving women and decimating abortion rights, or you are on the wrong side. So if you are feeling me on that, I want to invite you to check out the Revolution Nothing Less show. It's a YouTube show I co-host. We have our 100th episode coming out tonight at youtube.com slash therevcoms. And so come and learn about it. But as we do, we need to stand shoulder to shoulder with people again, uniting all who can possibly be united to stop this Supreme Court and make clear that if they try to take this right away, 
if they try to enslave women, if they try to go forward with this, their society will be prevented from functioning at all. And that brings us to the end of yet another show. I want to thank my assistant producer, Henry Carson, my production assistant, Jeff Pryor, and each and every one of you for tuning in. If you want to share your thoughts and ideas about the show, or if you want to volunteer to be part of the show, write to me at mslate at themichaelslateshow.com. Once again, that's mslate at themichaelslateshow.com. We're going out now with Hello, Birmingham by Annie DeFranco. It was written after the 1998 murder of abortion provider Dr. Barnett Slepian by an anti-abortion fanatic and the subsequent bombing of an abortion clinic in Birmingham, Alabama. Talk to you again next week.